Hi there, this is Erin Cooney. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Irish Dance Business Owners Podcast. Today I am joined by Miriam Pantinia. She is the founder and director of Bradigan Irish Dance, and today she's going to share what it was like to be part of the first generation of Irish dancers in Mexico, and then what she experienced as she continued her journey to opening her own Irish dance school. So welcome, Miriam, to the podcast. Thank you, Erin. I'm so glad to be here. So can you start with just sharing what that journey looked like for you to be one of the first generation of Irish dancers from Mexico? How did you get started? Thank you very much for this question. I, I've always yeah. liked, loved dance. And I started my dance career as a ballet dancer from learning from the Royal Academy of Dancing in London. So I did a lot of ballet through my whole life. And then there was a point where I started university that I didn't have enough time to keep keeping like going, moving forward in the, with the ballet because I needed like five or six lessons a week and I didn't have the time. And at that moment, my former ballet teacher opened an Irish dance class. So I joined because it was just twice a week and I had all this ballet technical <laughs> work <laughs> uh, behind me. It was very kind of easy for me. So I loved it. I loved how energetic it was. I stopped ballet and just <laughs> switched to Irish dancing. But I was 20 years old already. So there was nothing like that in Mexico at the time. We were the first school and I was part of the first generation. So I invited all my university uh, friends because I was always in the art, cultural parts of the university. So I just asked them, like, would you like to try this Irish dance class? So my college, uh, my university friends were the ones who joined that first group. So it was not just Irish dancing. It was like my friend's class. So it was so much fun. We were adults already, but there was nothing like that in Mexico. So we got to perform in many weird places like shopping <laughs> malls and plazas. And, and people were like, yeah, and clapping because the music is very lively, but they had no idea what was going on. We didn't have, we, we didn't know what we were doing at the time, to be honest. So, so I have a question for you already. Sure. Was this, I don't know around like what year this was. So ha had Riverdance ever come to Mexico or like, had you seen it yourself before she opened well, the class? Um, I think, I think I joined Irish Dancing in, two, in, in the 2000. Okay. So, so Riverdance River had already been out for five years. Okay. So actually, my ballet teacher got a DVD, a Riverdance DVD, in one of her trips to Europe, like the year before, maybe 1999 or something. So she came back with this DVD that was brand new, and she was like, oh my God, we have to try this here. Mm -hmm. So the first classes were more like, learn this choreography and do skipping around the room and then use the arms and then now don't use the arms but because <laughs> okay so we, we yes so I think we were already doing that when 
river dance tour in Mexico for the first time. And okay. actually, when river dance came back, but I think this was later on, maybe 2004 or five, river dance wanted to have like one Mexican dancer in their troupe. So one of my classmates was chosen to oh, wow. perform in Mexico with the river dance, just in Mexico, just in the Mexican tour uh, for a few dates. So it was so cool. We all went to support him. He was thrilled, obviously. And that was a huge push for Irish dancing in Mexico, for sure. Because he was on TV and, you know, this Mexican Irish dancer. And yeah. at least in Mexico, people started to know what was going on. So your teacher, your ballet instructor that started the Irish dance class, you probably weren't able to pursue any competition because she wasn't certified. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she contacted, she has worked with so many teachers, but at the very, very beginning, she contacted one teacher from Austin, certified teacher. So she went to Mexico and taught us St. Patrick's Day and Garden of Daisies. And then we kind of put together a reel and a light jig and we, 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 we attended so many competitions, but, but we were adults. So at that time, adults were not that good, especially adults. We were talking about 22, 23 year old that already had dance background. So we were quite good. So we would go to Houston or anywhere in Texas and we would win all the adult competitions. And people were like, who are they? And why are they good? And they, why are, are they winning? So in the US, we were quite popular. In Mexico, there was nothing. I mean, no one knew what was going on. Some people thought that, oh yes, that river dancing thing. But I mean, they couldn't care less. So it was quite a tough beginning to get into, I don't know, into out there, people getting interested and especially kids. Yeah. So that's a point. So when you did compete, did you always end up kind of going to Texas to to do that then? No, we went to Texas a lot, but we, I also remember a trip to uh, New York. So we went to a fish there. And there was one time, where was, I think it was, we went again to New York or something. So we were at the fish. I was wearing my black dress and black tights because I was an adult competitor. Mm -hmm. But in class, we were already doing three steps for fun. So once I was there, no wig, black attire, all the thing. Then my teacher at the time asked me like, would you be like to be like in the, younger competition I was like what do you mean like yeah 16 and over but you are 16 and over I was way over it was like okay what do I have to do just put these (laughs) socks on (laughs) literally someone is going to uh, lend you a a dress like are you sure ah yeah and by the way you have to do your three steps so so I was in the prelim competition thank you very much not just kids competition I just (laughs) moved to prelim there, mm-hmm. I think I didn't win anything, but I was not, I was like in the middle. Mm-hmm. So I was not last, I didn't get any medals, but mm-hmm. then I thought, this is what I want to do. 
So I started wearing my socks more often for competitions. At that time, we didn't know that's not allowed. I mean, we were like, you want to go to that? I mean, there was no uh, fish work or any platform that wouldn't allow you to do that. So it was more like, use your competitor number and just stand up there and do your best. (laughs) So like, okay, so we did that. So I was moved to the kids competition. And then I was, I agreed to go to Anoroctos. Wow. There was no Mexicans going there. So my friend, the one who was in Riverdance mm-hmm. and myself were the only ones or the first Mexican to just join the Southern region Oroctos. Wow. So fabulous. I arrived there with my class costume, class costume not solo dress. I didn't know. We didn't know. I got my socks, but solo. So when another teacher from the US saw me, like, are you gonna wear that? Is this not what you're supposed to? I was like, what? So again, someone 14 years old, lent me her dress. Oh. Yes. So I was in a very, very tight purple solo dress with a wig, I was not even wearing a full wig. It was just like a ponytail, but then no one else there was wearing a ponytail. So I just opened it and just pulled it forward to look like, I mean, we, ha- we had no idea what, what were we going right. to do there. Right. So long story short, I danced at the Erectus. I got 17th place and wow. I swear I was done with competing because that was way too stressful it took the joy out of the whole thing because first as an adult I was just winning everything and just putting a little bit of effort and results were there and then it just became really competitive and I was graduating for university I thought I don't need to do that so that when I went out from the uh, venue of the Rocktus. I just looked at my teacher at the time and I told her that was the last one. And she was like, what, what are you, what do you mean? You just got 70 at the rock to the first Mexicans. Like I'm done. This is not fun anymore. So that was it. <laughs> oh, the competitive piece wasn't fun, but were you still feeling like I still love Irish dance and I'd love to keep performing or how did that, that go for you? I realized that we had no idea what we were doing and I didn't like that so it was not about competing it was knowing in advance and being prepared Mm. to do something so of course when you're the first generation of anything you open doors yeah you have to so I'm glad I did it but if I was being selfish (laughs) I was like it's okay Next generations will be okay with this. I don't like it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm done. Yeah. And, and more and, and way more went just after me. And, and they suffered a little bit. And then we learned. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Wow. So then how, how did you decide or at what point did you decide you wanted to actually teach yourself? I think after I stopped competing because I 
I wanted to let others know what was out there and how to do it properly. But then, then what happens with that is that you have like a control power, control of power kind of thing, because the less people know, the more advantage for the owner. And I really wanted people know. (laughs) So that's when I decided to go on my own journey and open my own school where things were transparent and people could actually know what was going on. Okay. So did you start teaching or start your own school before you got any kind of certification? Yes. So I opened my own studio and then my old classmates came. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the first generation continued and we were like quite good. So I sent an email to any TCRG that I could find online. I'm talking about hundreds, hundreds, but I mean, at least a hundred emails. And then I received a reply for, from a teacher that was not certified at the moment, but was pretty cool. So we brought him to Mexico and I worked with him a year and a half and it was the best time ever because he was not certified. He, I love him. He's crazy. He's still crazy, but he enjoys Irish dance. So he mixes, mixes, mixed it up in a way that we could understand. So we were doing traditional steps, but also learning how to actually jump and fly and to move our feet quick, like quickly in, in sharp moves. So we all loved it. We loved it. We understood a little bit more, but then I wanted to get my certification and I need, needed someone to sign for my application. Okay. And I asked the previous teachers that had worked with my previous teacher and they all said no. Okay. So I had to send more emails. And then finally, a, a teacher from the US, from Atlanta, uh, got back to me. Said like, okay. I can do it. So two weeks after I flew him to Mexico, was a whole experience because he was very certified. And he was kind of doing us a favor, being there. So... It was more like you de- you do this, you do- but we learned. And then after that, I flew to Atlanta for a week to get trained. So I, I actually learned job journey work and <laughs> the Kaylee's and all that. And then I took my exam. So the first time this teacher went to Mexico was June. Then I went to Atlanta in August or July. And I took my TC in September. Wow. And I passed it. Wow. You learned a ton in a small amount of time. That, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> but fun, but fun because I, 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 I've, I've always liked to learn mm-hmm. what's, so I, I love it. So I got certified and I kept teach, uh, working with this teacher for nine years. Okay. So when you had the workshops that you brought the instructors in for the workshops, was there any kind of language barrier situation with that? Or like, how, how did that work? Well, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. To be honest, people in the U.S. think that everyone in the world speaks English. And they are kind of right. 
So we, we spoke English, barely, I mean, but we could communicate. So if we didn't understand the jump part, the teacher would jump. <laughs> so like this, <laughs> just, but no, there was not, to be honest, there was not. It was, there was a huge language barrier for me when I took the exam. That's what I was going to say. Do you, you take a written Kaylee exam for two? Oh, yeah. Okay. And I had to teach in English. Wow. Yeah. And I share a funny story. Okay. Now, now I, I, I laugh about it, but actually it was very embarrassing for me at the time. So I was doing the teaching part. I was teaching, I think, three tunes or something. So I was in the classroom or ballroom, whatever, with the judges there. So I got the eight students to come here. So I, I had to teach from scratch. So, okay, hold your hands. You're going to hold like this. And then you're going to get your arms up like this shape, really strong. And then I said, like, like, I don't remember even how I said it, like Popeye or Papai. I don't know, <laughs> like in a very weird Popeye. accent. <laughs> and then the judges started laughing and was like, what's going on? And, you, and I, I kept going like, you know, the guy who eats a lot of spinach. And then one of the judges, but they were in tears. were like, oh, like, and then they pronounced it the, the right way. And was like, well, yes, like that guy. So all the kids were <laughs> laughing. I was like, I'm so sorry. I mean, I'm trying my best. So because probably they, they thought that I was cute. They passed me. Yeah. They barely yeah. passed me. But I think it was because of the spinach thing. <laughs> <laughs> I still um, do. I still do that. And we're like, oh my gosh, she's trying so hard. Let's just put her there. <laughs> well, and, and Miriam, you and I have kind of a similar journey in some sense, because I was the first American born to pass the ODCRN. And I needed to travel to Ireland to take my exams. And I had a very strange accent to the Irish people, I think as well. And some of the words that I, that I choose are not words that they would choose to yes. explain things. And I had to be really careful to say for Kaylee, I had to be careful to say, take the hand of the other person. Cause I kept saying, grab hands. <laughs> and like, grab it. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know, grab hands, you know, but like, that was not a term that was um, proper to, to describe Kaylee dancing. <laughs> In Ireland so I had to be really careful a little bit about you know the way I I said things as well so for someone who's kind of on this journey of like I mean basically it's like being the first you know right it's like being the first to do something and and like you shared it's it can be super embarrassing it's almost like you're kind of feel like on display because everyone knows you know you're different in some way or you know um, and at the beginning, you know what? I really tried to hide that I was different. Yeah. Because you are trying, as, as the new one, you'd really try to merge, like to blend in there. But mm-hmm. then after many years, this took me many years. I actually don't mind. Yeah. So I prefer to be called, oh, the Mexican teacher or mm-hmm. adjudicator than that weird person <laughs> that is pretending to be something. <laughs> yeah. So what would, like, as far as advice for someone, you know, say there's someone um, listening in and Irish dance just isn't popular in their area, but, you know, maybe they have seen Riverdance or Lord of the Dance, or maybe they're just wanting to pursue that journey, but maybe they're 20 years old, even like you were when you started, you know, what, what kind of advice would you give them as far as, you know, starting that journey, either competing as an adult or, you know, starting an Irish dance school, getting a certification maybe and starting a school where Irish dance really isn't even popular. 
Well, first of all, I would, I would say, learn your stuff. But I'm not talking about what is out there, like learn what you can do. So don't be ashamed or afraid that you're gonna be judged or they're gonna talk about you in a weird, because they will anyway. Mm -hmm. And then I do believe that the more you know about something, the better or the smoother you can navigate through it. Mm. So if you know where the rules are, so a lot of people is like complaining a lot about the rules, like, oh, this is a lot of rules and you have to do it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But rules were made for some reason. So when you actually understand what's behind that, you don't actually only respect the rules more, but you learn to work with them. Mm -hmm. So for all the ones that are working with a teacher, a foreign teacher, and that teacher is doing everything for you, I would say, do your, do your work too. Research, read, get involved. Get, I mean, know what's going on because otherwise you're gonna always depend on someone else. Mm -hmm. Not someone else's knowledge, someone else's opinion, someone else's style, someone else's way to do things. And, and what about when you can put on the table? Mm -hmm. So for me, when I realized that I had something by myself to put out there with help. I mean, it's not like, oh, be all you're independent. No, 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 no. I got tons of help. And I'm super grateful for every person that was along the way helping me to understand more and more and more and even now I mean <laughs> we've worked together I, I I I keep looking for new ways to improve myself and my school and the way I do stuff but believe in what you can do while you get help mm -hmm. so they are not against each other yeah great wonderful well, Miriam, this was such an awesome interview. Thank you so much for sharing your story so that others can hear this and be inspired by your journey. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. I, I actually enjoy a lot to, to say that, I mean, how it all started because we have all started somewhere and it has been fun for me. And it's a nice journey. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about that here. You're welcome.